The Guardian. Human beings have quite literally transformed the Earth. Over the past century, the pace and the scale of our activity has increased in unprecedented ways. We've disrupted the climate. We've impacted entire ecosystems. With some scientists arguing, we're in the middle of the sixth mass extinction of plants and animals. We've extracted huge amounts of material from the Earth's crust, and we've built so much stuff with it—from buildings and roads to phones and cars—that the total amount of human-made objects now outweighs all of life on Earth. Taken together, this has led some scientists to propose that we've now entered another chapter in the Earth's history: the Anthropocene. A period of time where the impact of human activity on the planet is so profound that we need a whole new epoch to describe it—one that's named after ourselves. But ending an entire geological epoch, the one that we're in officially right now, the Holocene, and starting a fresh one isn't a trivial matter. Which is why there's an official Anthropocene working group. Rocks are not just rocks. Rocks are an enormous source of information. And so the sediments tell you a story. Their job is to gather the evidence, which will determine if the Anthropocene becomes a new unit of geological time, and whether the dawn of a human epoch has officially arrived. Geology is an ongoing process. Human activity has now become part of that process. So it's the magnitude of that human activity now that we think dictates that it could be a new epoch. From the Guardian, I'm Anan Jagatia, and this is Science Weekly. I've got a dog here who, at any point, could wake up and start barking, but that's a gamble. <laughs> Dr. Simon Turner is a senior research associate in the geography department at UCL. And the secretary of the Anthropocene Working Group. I wanted to find out more about what the group is actually doing and how this decision is ultimately going to be made. So I phoned him up at his home office, stroke garden shed. I asked him to tell me what the term Anthropocene actually means from a geological perspective. So the Anthropocene, in a sense, is the change of the, the land and the geology by human activity. The, the Anthropos, humans, being a geological force, and that's. Not a new idea. It's been around since you know ancient Greek times that people have understood that human activity is able to sort of drive geological forces. You know, sort of soil erosion changes, things like that. So, as a concept, the idea of human activity altering geology is not new. But what's driving this current Anthropocene idea is we're identifying not a cultural Anthropocene. Or when history started, it's when you see a stratigraphic signature in the rocks. Stratigraphic? What What do you mean by that? It's It's reading the history of the Earth in rocks. That's what stratigraphy is. We have some rocks forming currently. We have volcanic lava flows. You know, those are those are rocks that are forming right now. But when we talk about the stratigraphic Anthropocene, we're really talking about sediments, the products of erosion and weathering that then.、Uh, Work their way down into rivers and lakes, and as they build up over time, they create a story. It's a, a stratigraphic sequence. It's essentially a story in the rocks. 
Right, okay, so the material that has been laid down recently hasn't really been there long enough for it to turn into rock. But looking back much further, as a geologist, you're interested in, in looking at those layers of rocks that have been there for thousands, millions, billions of years and kind of using them to go back in time and, and work out what the Earth was like in those different chapters of its history. That's right. So geologists have spent the last couple of centuries identifying these big stratigraphic periods. The history of the Earth is about 4.6 billion years old. And you can break down that history of the Earth into a series of ever-decreasing smaller time blocks. So you start with something like the Precambrian, which are these big eons. Then you break it down into smaller bits like the the big eras and then you break it down smaller and you get into the systems and the periods which are the things like the Cretaceous so there's these smaller smaller bits and then you get down to the epoch level and so within the last two and a half million years we've had two epochs we've got the Pleistocene and the Holocene epoch we're currently in those epochs get then broken down again into ages and so we get to the present day and geologically the understanding is that we are now a geological force do we then add a new Anthropocene to this very long timescale of history? Even though it's only been a recent period of geological time in terms of how long humans have been on the planet, this scale of the changes humanity has done over the last thousand years and especially over the last half century, geological, atmospheric, hydrological, everything that is moving and flowing around the earth has been dramatically altered by human activity. So the Anthropocene Working Group that you're part of is looking at the most recent of these layers and you're trying to figure out when this new epoch, the Anthropocene, potentially would have begun. And you, you've settled on around the 1950s. So that's right. So it's not disputing there's earlier evidence of human activity in the stratigraphic record because that's, you know, it's obvious there is it is fair. But what we've identified is this it's for synchronous change because the scale of the changes we've seen post mid 20th century are of a magnitude which are just vast. This idea of a great acceleration where economic, political, technological changes sort of came together and the use of fossil fuels as well really accelerated the extraction and alteration of planet Earth, which is unparalleled. How do these changes then that human beings have caused, how do they leave their mark in the geological record? So what kind of stuff are you looking for that would signify that we've moved into this new period? So what we're identifying are markers recorded in different types of sediments. You ideally want a sequence of sediments like a blank tape just recording and what while it's recording is picking up these big environmental changes so we're looking at things that occurred in the mid 20th century we're looking at a big increase in radionuclides released from atomic weapons testing as a as a species around the 1950s we started detonating and testing nuclear weapons and what that was, not just the explosive force was, was extraordinary being released, but it was also the release of radioactive isotopes, which had never been released before. So things like some of the plutonium isotopes, they were, they were released and spread around globally. 
in an Anthropocene sequence, you see an onset, they appear, and then they go to a peak and they disappear um, quite soon after above ground testing was banned. We're looking at big changes in products from fossil fuel combustion. So we're looking at particles released from oil and coal energy production. We're looking at changes in nitrogen and carbon isotopes reflecting changes in, in fuel use and changes in atmospheric chemistry. We're also looking at things like microplastics. They've been released into the environment since plastics were invented. And so in the whole of a geological record, you know, 4.5 billion years of Earth history, nowhere do you see stratigraphically this combination of a spike in synthetic radionuclides from thermonuclear weapons and this assemblage of other polymers and materials resulting from, from human history. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you is, aren't geologists normally used to dealing with timescales that are much, much bigger, like so big that we can't wrap our heads around them? Because if you're only looking at like the last 70 years or so, that's the blink of an eye, really, in terms of how long the planet has been here. So is that controversial? Does everybody even agree that we actually need a new epoch if humans haven't been here for that long? Yeah, um, well, just time-wise, when you look at the existence of say the last 70 years compared to the last four and a half billion years it does seem it looks ludicrous to to somehow put a tiny line on that massive chart and say well this is clearly the human epoch but geology doesn't stop it didn't it didn't stop in the in the cretaceous you know it geology is an ongoing process human activity has now become part of that process and even though in the holocene you know, human activity is recognised. It's the magnitude of, of the human activity now, which is dictating that we could put a new epoch in here rather than when it started. As part of this process of, of proposing a new epoch, you're looking at evidence from certain places, so special sites from around the world, and trying to pick the, the best one. Is that right? Sure. So we've got 11 sites globally where we have... Like I said, these tape recorders that have been running in various um, environments around the world, which have been recording environmental change and sedimentary history. And so we have things like estuaries, we have um, lakes, we have coral cores collected from coral reefs. We have an ice core from Antarctica. We have uh, a deep sea basin, the Baltic Sea. And we have um, a speleothem. So as stalagmites grow over a period of time, they lay down layer upon layer upon layer. And so we've got these sort of like geological equivalents of tree rings. Um, so we have collated this, this group together and now everyone is working on these sections to look at how the environment was sort of 150 odd years ago and then looking at how the sedimentology has changed over a period of time and up to the present. And within all of these these special sites, you're trying to define potentially the point at which the last epoch, the Holocene, ended and the Anthropocene began. And, and that point is called the Golden Spike. So it's called a Golden Spike because it came from the story of it was like a finishing point. It's like it was put in, a Golden Spike was put in when the railroad was completed across the US, you know, like a big ceremonial, here's a golden spike, we finished the job, we've decided on a point, this is it, you know, put the spike in and finish. And I think 
then what happened was, you know, in spikes and things like surveying pins are quite common in sort of geological sections. You leave, you know, if you're studying a section that you would might leave a pin in. So when you came back two years later, then you'd know where to start from or from start measuring from. So I think the, the idea came of a golden spike was if you had identified this time defining point on a stratigraphic section, then it should be marked with a golden spike. There is a ceremonial aspect to this if it is accepted and you can go around the world and you can visit sites generally in cliff faces, in outcrops. Um, some of them are more accessible than others, but they're, they're fairly quickly replaced by alloy bronze versions because anyone who finds a golden spike poking out of a cliff face is, is very tempted to try and pull it out again. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm wondering, Simon, these 11 sites that you're you're looking at and you're trying to pick one uh, so that you can use it to define the golden spike, is there a competition between them? Like, does everybody want their site to be the one that gets picked? You know, we're, we are humans. And if you've been working, I mean, this is a long, very intensive process. And obviously, if you're working on a site, it would be an awesome achievement to have perhaps the site you've been working on for the last 20 odd years and trying to understand it to have that that stamp that spike that your work has contributed to identifying a new geological epoch so obviously there is a competitive element but i would say the people i'm working with and the group we have developing these 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 studies they are incredibly collaborative and and science has to be collaborative to to sort of make progress so I'm not I'm not personally running a site, but obviously if I was, I'd be really, really, really gunning for, but it's all about the evidence and you can only provide the data that your site provides. And so, you know, some sites will record some things differently. And so when we're comparing an ice core to a estuary core, like an ice core would record, you know, in, in annual detail the, the late 18th century, but you might not see much impact of fossil fuel combustion in terms of particles because it's in the Antarctic and there, as far as I know there's not too many power stations in the Antarctic there aren't there aren't any and so so if you're thinking about what markers are best which ones illustrate the Anthropocene most practically there's a lot of things you have to think about ideally it would be some sort of x-factor you know dance off but it's not going to happen like that it's, it's going to be it's a very slow process yeah, I mean, it is it is slow. The, the Anthropocene Working Group was formed about 10 years ago, and it's still working through all of this stuff. Even when you have decided on a golden spike and you make this formal proposal, that evidence has then got to go up the chain and it's got to go through several organisations before ultimately there is this body that decides whether the Anthropocene becomes official. If it does happen, what will it mean? It will mean if it does come to pass, textbooks will have to be updated. They won't have to be rewritten, hopefully, but they will be have to be updated. So things like geological charts. But mentally, you don't you don't need a new epoch for people to understand that the Earth is a very different place now compared to what it was seventy odd years ago. I think what's interesting now is you can you can find people who were born in a previous epoch so will that shake people's ideas and attitudes to how we talk about looking after planet earth or thinking about what we do with waste 
if we don't ratify it, that will still be the case. There will still be this continuous question about what effect humans have on the planet. But by defining it geologically and, and is how, that, how it's going to be communicated that we have become a geological force that you hope that may influence people's thoughts about the bigger scale humanitary changes that are going to be required. And, you know, climate change is as a result now of a geological transformation brought about by human activity. Um, and if we're considered a geological force because of the magnitude of change and the scale of a change, then we need to think about how bigger changes are then going to be required to actually do something about the Anthropocene. What's your What's your feeling? Do you think it will change the way that people think about our relationship with the planet? Well, you you hope. I think I think the thing is with the Anthropocene, it, maybe it's more understandable. I I think to get a concept of time and to get a concept of scale is what geologists are quite good at doing they're quite good at sort of communicating those sort of planetary scale changes when you look at sediments you can see things something's happened because it's like a it's laid out in front of you you can physically it's a it's a physical manifestation of geological time and you can see it I, I don't think I'm the only one who when you look at like a tree ring and I've done it with our lake deposits but you the first thing you do is you start counting back and find out when your birthday is. And I don't know if that's just me, but I think a lot of people, they like to see where they are in time. A geological historical context is what we're providing. You've talked about how rocks and sediment create these sequences that tell a story and that goes back billions of years to the planet's beginnings. I'm wondering what kind of story are we telling about ourselves now that geologists will one day be able to read. I mean, I've heard, for example, that we breed so many chickens around the world for food that in the future, the fossil record will basically just be chickens. Yeah, that's, that is, that's correct. So, so you have to think about what current processes are happening. And so it's not like industrialization has stopped. Um, it's still uh, enormous amounts of waste materials are still entering rivers and seas in the atmosphere. Plastics, those are still moving into the ocean. You know, every everything, everything on the crust at some point gets moved around, and it usually finds its way into marine basins or you know lake basins, or if it's atmospherically, it goes into things like ice cores. Everything we do right now is in some form or, or another being translated into a stratigraphic signal somewhere. Because it's ongoing, you know, geology, geology never stops. It's, it's a continuous process. Thanks to Simon Turner from UCL and the Anthropocene Working Group. The group is set to announce its proposed golden spike for the Anthropocene in December 2022. You can read more about the Anthropocene, including a long read by Nicola Davison at theguardian.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Thank you. 
For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.